Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi legislators are moving toward revamping the state's 20-year-old underfunded public education formula. What does that mean for public schools in the state? Then a health minute on the differences between colds and allergies. And drought conditions persist across much of Mississippi. What is the impact on cattle farmers? biggest thing that you're noticing, uh, we've got a little small creek that flows through the property. It's about to dry up. The native grass has really slowed to where it's not even growing to any noticeable amount. So we feel like we'll be feeding hay here probably within a week or two. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi legislative leaders say they're taking steps to change how the state pays for K-12 education. During a press conference at the Capitol yesterday, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves and Speaker of the House Philip Gunn announced lawmakers entered into a contract with the nonprofit organization Ed Build to recommend changes. Ed Build describes itself on its website as, quote, a nonprofit organization focused on building or bringing common sense and fairness to the way states funds schools, unquote. Currently, the state uses the Mississippi Adequate Education Program, or MAEP, to distribute public school money. This formula was developed to help make sure poorer school districts have resources on par with wealthier districts. MAEP has only been fully funded twice since 1997. With us this morning to discuss yesterday's announcement and its impact on public education in Mississippi is Paul Boger. He's our legislative and education reporter. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Karen. How are schools funded now? What exactly is MAEP? Well, like you said right there a few minutes ago, MAEP is is the way that lawmakers decide how much money is going to go into public schools uh, during a particular year. So it's this very long, very complicated formula that that the Department of Education looks at every year. And it uses things like how many students in a district are on free and reduced lunch, how many students in a district actually go there during the day, all these different things. And they take that and they come up with this number. It's usually in the last couple of years, it's been about 2.2, between 2.2 and $2.5 billion. And that covers every school district in the state. Well, that money is used to fund schools directly. So lawmakers appropriate that money and it goes straight to the school districts. It doesn't go to the Department of Education, goes straight to the district. And now it, when it was created, it was created as a way to head off a number of equity lawsuits that were going around the country. So school districts in poor communities were not, were getting the same at that time, getting the same amount of money as school districts in affluent communities. What that was doing was, you know, it was creating disparities between rich and poor communities. MAEP sends a little bit more money to poor districts than it does affluent districts. So it's kind of there to kind of head off some of the disparity gaps that you see. So what, why is the decision to make changes to MAEP so important? What's that going to do? Well, MAEP, like I said, is, is how school districts decide 
how much or how the state decides how much money school districts are going to get. School districts are funded from local taxes, federal uh, dollars, and from the state, a majority of that being from the state. So whenever you start making changes to the state's portion of the of school funding, you're talking about a lot of money that these schools depend on. So one of the things that they're looking at doing is over the last 20 years, MAEP, I, I wonder if it's lived up to the potential a lot of lawmakers thought it would. So what you're hearing from Lieutenant Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves is that MAEP in the last 20 years has become, I think the word he used was antiquated. There are members in the Mississippi legislature that would like to look at our school funding formula because they believe that it is an antiquated formula that was put into effect uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it was a formula that was written before the time of electronic textbooks on iPads and apps cannot meet the needs of a modern classroom. In fact, when the formula was adopted, we did not even have a computer in the classroom, and now we have tablets, iPads, and iPhones. iPads and iPhones. The company hired to look at the education funding is EdBuild. What recommendations might they suggest? Right, so we don't really know a whole lot about EdBuild other than lawmakers entered into this contract. Uh, the House Rules Committee and the Senate Rules Committee met yesterday and decided they, they would enter into this contract with EdBuild. They're from New Jersey. They're, they're a nonprofit. At this point, that's about all we know about them. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves and, and, speaker were, and the Speaker were saying that really the, this is one of the only companies that kind of does this work, looking at state uh, education funding formulas and, and trying to make changes to that. So there was no RFP. There was no searching process. It was EdBuild all the way. So some of the recommendations they might suggest is, is kind of looking at how the state actually appropriations, appropriates the equity money. Right now, the state uses free and reduced lunch to decide the number of students on that program to decide how many, how much more money a poor district will get versus an affluent district. They might make changes to that. Uh, ultimately, though, uh, lawmakers are, are really looking at what they say, putting more money into the classroom. So there's been a lot of anger over the last few years about rising administration costs, especially in local smaller school districts. So they really want to concentrate on getting this money directly into the classroom and bypassing administration. It has been 20 years since this formula was created. So it's time to reevaluate the effectiveness. Is the formula doing what we want it to do? You know, we have made it no secret that we want money going into the classroom. We have been fighting hard to, to see that the teachers have what they need to instruct our children. We're, we are working hard to make sure that the children have what they need to get a good education. So we want to make sure that as many dollars as possible get into the classroom. Get into the classroom. That was House Speaker Philip Gunn. How do we know that the MAEP formula may not be working when it's only been fully funded twice? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of lawmakers, when this was created, were expecting to see a lot of immediate gains. Um, unfortunately, anything to do with education uh, does not happen immediately. It takes 5, 10, 15, 20 years to really start seeing the gains. And you are starting to see some gains in education here. Uh, NAEP scores, NAEP scores, are starting to climb in reading and math. Uh, you're seeing more students go through the third grade reading gate. Uh, and that, that's big things that the law, uh, the, the speaker and the lieutenant governor brought up yesterday. 
they kind of want to keep that forward momentum. They're just worried that at this point, or what they say, they are worried about the formula actually getting that money into the classroom. Is this, do you think is this is the end of MAEP? I don't, I don't think it's the end of MAEP. I think at this point you're going to see a very, very similar formula, but I think with big changes. Uh, what those changes will be, like I said, I think you'll, you'll see some changes to how the, the state decides uh, what is a poor district versus an affluent district. I think you'll see changes in, in how that money is distributed, uh, whether that money has to go to the classroom, how much uh, that money can go towards administration costs, so on and so forth. So I don't think it's the end of MAEP. I think, however, it is going to go through some big changes. Do the lawmakers know yet when those recommendations might come in? So they don't. You know, this is still very in the very early stages. Lawmakers are beginning the process right now. They just entered into this contract. So they expect to hear from uh, Ed Build in the coming weeks, uh, probably some, some hearings, probably some fact collecting on their part. What they do know is that they really hope to get a recommendation uh, before the start of the next legislative session so that there is a direction they can go uh, during next year. We really want to ensure that we build on the successes uh, that we have. We want to ensure that we have adequate and sufficient resources um, in, in the classroom uh, to continue to see the gains that have been made in student achievement over the last five years. Achievement over the last five years. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves, uh, let me ask you finally, Paul, and we don't have much time, but I just want to ask, has there been reaction yet? Has there, from the announcement made yesterday afternoon? Well, there hasn't been a whole lot of reaction yet, I, and it kind of caught me by surprise. You know, this, we were all called into the the Capitol Rotunda at four yesterday, the press, I mean, and we didn't know what this press conference was going to be about. It was complete surprise. However, uh, it was it became very apparent this was going to make big news, and everybody turned around and started writing stories about MAEP funding that day. Uh, so this is going to be big. Democrats are holding a press conference today at the Capitol, so probably going to get some reaction from them. And I think this is going to sink in. I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but you're going to hear some more reaction and some more criticism of this. MPB uh, legislative and education reporter, Paul Boger. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Karen. Up next, a health minute on the differences between colds and allergies. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. The White House has put the blame on Russia for election-related hacks, and some cyber experts say there's more to come. What's happened this year, and it should make it very clear about the hacks, is that they didn't just hack the DNC. We have seen a cyber-based Watergate. That's next time, here and now. Tomorrow at noon on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Weatherly here with Dr. Rick, and today our topic is going to be colds and allergies. So, Dr. Rick, I got a question for you. How do you tell if it's a cold or is it just allergies? Most people who have colds that are allergic reactions have sneezing, itchy eyes, and runny nose. And the itching is the key because that means histamine is released, which is allergic problems. But sometimes it's very difficult to tell the difference. Got it. So if I have a cold, what do I do for a cold? Well, if you think it's a cold, the best thing to do is 
to get lots of rest and drink lots of fluids. If you have a lot of nasal obstruction, lavage with salt water is wonderful. There's an over-the-counter kit at all the drugstores called a nasal lavage kit, uh, Neil Med. It comes with salt, and you just wash your nose out using the instructions two or three times a day, and it really gets rid of the symptoms. So last question, if I have a cold, do I need an antibiotic? Absolutely not, because that's one of the reasons we're having all these problems with superbugs. We're trying not to give antibiotics for just regular colds. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. This election year has been unpredictable, and it can be hard to keep track of what's true or not. But NPR's election team wades through it all, so you don't have to. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. I'm Robin Young. The White House has put the blame on Russia for election-related hacks, and some cyber experts say there's more to come. What's happened this year, and it should make it very clear about the hacks, is that they didn't just hack the DNC. We have seen a cyber-based Watergate. That's next time, here and now. Tomorrow at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The National Weather Service in Jackson says there's no rain in the forecast for the next 7 to 10 days. These drought conditions are not only killing the grass, they're hitting Mississippi cattle ranchers in the bank account. Stacy Broadhead in Simpson County is raising more than 400 mother cows and calves. They've planted grass on the ranch, but he says it isn't growing. Neither is the native grass because of the lack of rain. Broadhead tells MPB's Desiree Frazier they'll have to start feeding cattle hay a month sooner, which will impact his bottom line. We're presently under a burn ban, and um, it's, it's getting pretty pretty serious. What are you noticing? Well, the um, biggest thing that you're noticing, uh, we've got a little small, uh, I'm going to call it little stream, creek that flows through the property. Um, it's about to dry up. Um, the native grass um, has really slowed to where it's not even growing um, to any noticeable amount. So we feel like we'll be feeding hay here probably within a week or two. And that's a lot earlier than we really like to, to start feeding. Um, you know, usually we're another month, maybe on into November before we have to start haying. So we're, we're going to be getting into our hay crop about a month early. How is this impacting getting cattle to market? Um, it's going to make uh, make us have to make some decisions on uh, are we just going to go ahead and have to bite the bullet and go ahead and send some of our calves on to the feedlot maybe a little bit earlier than what we wanted to. You know, we would love to, to hold on to them and put a little bit more weight and size on them here, but we just might not have that luxury this year uh, just due to the fact that, you know, we've only going to have so much hay and um, we're planting ryegrass and wheat, but without any rain, you know, we there's not going to be any until we get some rain. And then you've got to wait for it to emerge and to have a good root system. So right now, it's it's pretty critical at this point in time. Thinking back, can you remember the last time you had a good rain? 
It would have been in the month of September, and it would have been early September, even on top of that. So we're probably, um, I would think at this point, a good 40 days since the last time that we've had any measurable rain. Is this common? You know, last year we saw some of this. It was uh, especially in our county, and it was probably even more pronounced. But we stayed wet so so much this year, and then when it turned off dry, it, it turned off dry, and it just uh, it's just kind of shot. I guess the the uh, the graphs to where um, where sometimes you'll get some. You know, you're going to have some fall grazing, uh, just native grass as you go along. But this year. Like I said, it's just slowed down to the point that you're you're getting basically no growth. Does it make you nervous? How do you deal with this? Well, it uh, it, it it you know makes you appreciate that we we uh, have a good God and He's going to send the rain when we need it. But uh, you know it does make you uh, maybe a little nervous to the point, in fact, that uh, you always think you need it today. But uh, like I said, we serve a, a Lord that knows exactly. So it'll, it'll happen when he wants it to happen. In terms of talking about raising cattle, what role does the rain play? Every day when you're raising cattle, you're responsible for the nutritional need. Um, as we go into the fall and, and the grass starts uh, getting less and less, you know, their nutritional value will start going down until we start, you know, having to supplement with hay. But there's just nothing that beats the lush spring and summer grass. So uh, I guess in the equivalent of a human, um, you're going from maybe eating three good balanced meals a day to where now you're getting maybe not all your nutritional needs met exactly the way you'd want them to be met. And, And going into the winter, we kind of like to start trying to put a few pounds on the cattle to get them ready for the dead of winter when it's so hard. And uh, right now, um, we, we just don't have that, that luxury. So like I said, we're probably two weeks away from feeding hay, you know, having to supplement them maybe with, with some commodity feeds such as uh, soy holes or something to that nature. And like I said, the biggest thing is we've gone from maybe getting three healthy meals a day to where we're getting a meal and a half of uh, of nutrition a day. How many cattle do you have or how big is your uh, farm? We're running approximately 400 uh, mother cows and uh, of course we've got calves uh, on top of that and so we're you know it's pretty big it's big in our eyes I'll say it like that and we've done the best that we can do to get ready for winter and so we just hate to have to start having to feed hay this this early. Does this mean you'll lose money? Well, you're going to be spending more money, and, you know, you hope you can make it up if the market, cattle market, will rally. You're definitely going to be spending money, more money to keep them healthy, to keep their nutrition level met. Yes, ma'am, it's going to put you in a negative position if the cattle prices don't rally and, and kind of come back up some. MPB's Desiree Fraser with cattle rancher Stacy Broadhead of Simpson County. Meteorologist John Moore tells Desiree Fraser late summer and early fall this year have been exceptionally dry. Uh, parts of the area are in a D1 drought and D0 drought, so it's abnormal, abnormally dry. Uh, Jackson, the Jackson Airport has only had a third of an inch of rain since September 1st. And as of now, it ranks as the third driest start to meteorological fall 
uh, that we've had. And when you say D1, what does that mean? I mean, uh, the drought conditions are are uh, not severe yet, but they are significant. How is the state as a whole looking? Uh, North Mississippi is a tad drier than we are in central Mississippi. And uh, fire weather conditions are a little worse up there in the north north mississippi so north mississippi is drier we're still dry in central mississippi and we're not so dry in southern mississippi but drought conditions are developing uh, throughout the state as we continue uh, it will continue to develop as no rain is expected over the next seven to ten days is this common in our state uh, october is usually our driest month and we usually see uh fire weather conditions uh during the month of october but uh, this type of drought is not that common. What constitutes a drought? What conditions have to be in place? It's a significant period of little or no rainfall, and it uh, increases. Well, when we don't have the moisture, the fire weather danger increases because of the, the fuels, which are leaves and grass, are uh, more combustible, and anything could set off a forest fire or wildfire in the area. So when you're talking about a drought, is it 25 days, 30 days, two months? Uh, it's a myriad of things. It's a combination of things. It can be uh, uh, very little rainfall over a few months, or it can be no rainfall over a few weeks. MPB's Desiree Fraser with meteorologist John Moore on the dry weather conditions across the state. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Fix It 101, Everyday Tech and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Young, the White House has put the blame on Russia for election-related hacks, and some cyber experts say there's more to come. What's happened this year, and it should make it very clear about the hacks, is that they didn't just hack the DNC. We have seen a cyber-based Watergate. That's next time, here and now. Tomorrow at noon on MPB Think Radio. Coming up this week on MPB's At Issue, charter schools. The charter school is giving more freedom to design their program in exchange for more accountability. They're funded by state tax dollars that public school districts receive each year. They're, they're in it for the right reasons. But some believe giving public money to charter schools is unconstitutional. We need to think about how to become partners rather than trying to fight one another. We'll take a closer look at charter schools on At Issue this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
Hey, y'all, I'm Felder Rushing. Ain't it a great day? Now, my truck stands out around town. A garden in the back will do that. You can make your car truck stand out with the new MPB Car Tag. MPB Car Tag. It's a great way to show your support for MPB. Visit mpbonline.org and sign up for yours today. Woohoo! Marketplace Tech.